Hello everyone, welcome to Markers Up with Jack Johnston. I am Jack Johnston, here today with a bit of a, a more unstructured episode. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed putting in a ton of research and, um, you know, with the video stuff I've done, putting in a lot of analysis and there will be more than enough opportunities for that later down the track, especially as the AFL men's season gets fully underway. But I'm out here in the garden, strong breeze coming in, I'm sure as you can hear, done my best to prevent it from ruining the audio. But it is what it is, and it sets the scene for where I'm at today. I'm in, I'm in the garden, lovely day, lovely weather, a cool breeze, a warm sun, um, and I was thinking about what I wanted to record today, and I was thinking about different topics and ideas that I had, and I was like, oh, how do I, you know, how much analysis do I want to bring to this in terms of do I want to maybe have a, a, a video component to this episode like I did with episode one? All these things were sort of running through my head, and then I just thought, and I'll, th this isn't that super sports-related, but I guess it is because it's related to the podcast. Uh, I, I'm reading a book at the moment called, and I don't know how to pronounce it because it's a Japanese phrase, but if you know how to pronounce this, and I'm yet to look it up because I'm not, I don't have the internet right now, um, so I'm just, I'm living in in a bit of bliss, but if you know how to pronounce this, let me know. I think it's Ichigo Ichi. Um, again, if I've got that wrong, please inform me because I'd love to know how to pronounce it properly because it's a phrase I love. Um, and it's basically about living in the moment, is the most simple way to describe it. Um, and I'm reading a book about um, Ichigo Ichi, about living in the moment. Um, and I was reading it another chapter about an hour ago. And so this, I guess, has put me in the frame of mind to just live in the moment. Just talk about what I want to talk about right now as I'm sitting here in the trees. Um, and just trying to, yeah, seize the moment let the thoughts that are running through my head come out into, you know, the internet for you guys to consume and share and all that. So, enough of that waffling on. Uh, so, what, what, I do, what do I want to talk about? So, firstly, I'd like to talk about Ballarat. Because I went down to Ballarat with a couple mates, when was this, four or five days ago, something like that. Um, went there for a few reasons, but one of the reasons that came up as quite a coincidence was the Western Bulldogs were playing their intra-club practice match um, down at their, their second home in Ballarat, and it worked out really well. I was like, oh great, I can go and watch that as well. And so before I kind of talk about my takeaways from the Dogs practice match, because they decided to do an intra-club as opposed to doing a pre-season match against another team this week, um, before I get to those takeaways... I just want to talk about the stadium. Really love Mars Stadium. It, it sort of, it kind of encapsulates everything I really love about footy grounds. And, and I love the MCG, I love Marvel Stadium, I love the big ones, but for their own reasons. There's something about Mars Stadium that really appeals to me, especially as a Bulldogs fan. Because it's got a bit of Wittenovel about it as well. Hence maybe why the Dogs picked it, although I'm sure there's a bunch of other reasons why they did. Uh, I, I love the seating arrangements. I love the fact that you can, you know, sit down behind the goals in the stands. You can 
go around to one of the wings and you can get more elevation in the stands, get a nice more elevated bird's eye view. But on the other wing, you can sit on these like concrete steps. Um, great for like families because kids can kind of run around and there's a bit more space if you want to have a bit of a picnic or whatever. Uh, and then as you keep going around that wing and towards the other goals, you can sit on the grass, you can kick the footy, uh, you can stand behind the goals, like, and you go back all the way around and you, you get to those the, to the stands again. So I just love the different options you have where you sit. Like, do you want to sit in a proper seat, um, probably a, you know a bit closer to all the food and stuff like that, especially if, it, if there's bad weather, do you want to have weather protection? Um, there's the options there. Do you want to have somewhere that's a bit more open, a bit less populated, because not as many people sit there um, with the cement steps? Do you want to go sit there? Do you want to be behind the goals? Do you want to be on the grass? Like, there's so many options to just sit, let alone the rest of the football. Like, just to sit is something I really appreciate. And if you don't have somewhere to kick the footy, you're not a proper footy ground. <laughs> it's really what I think. And I know... The, the biggest and the best, as they say, in your MCGs and Marvel Stadium. And, and I mean, uh, to an extent, smaller grounds like Adelaide Oval and Cardinia Park, like your main AFL stadiums don't have spots to kick the footy, right? At least, you know, close to the ground. Um, and you're obviously not allowed on the ground. So it's not to say that if you don't have somebody to kick the footy, you're not a real football ground. I guess more what I mean is you don't feel like what a footy ground should be. A footy ground should have somewhere, either you should be allowed to go on the field at half time and quarter time and three quarter time to kick the footy, right? Like most local grounds, or have a space somewhere nearby. When it gets to half time, you grab the footy and you kick and you play markers up with your mates or with your kids or with your partner or whoever, right? Or to yourself, you could even. Like having that space there, I feel like is so important. Um, and as stadiums get, bigger and try and include more space for spectators and all that it'll, it'll become less and less of an important thing for you know clubs and the AFL and the developers but it's something that at least for local footy clubs I hope they hold on to because to me that, that that that's all of my memories as a kid with footy grounds is connected to that being able to kick the footy at half time you know the siren goes you get one last shot at goal before you have to run in before the players come back out um, and even just having somewhere you know alongside the ground to kick the footy even if you can't go on the ground itself um, is important and I love that about Mars Stadium and Ballarat that that option is there and yes it probably there wouldn't be as much space if it was a proper game wasn't an, an intra-club match but I still think the space would be there for sure um, because there's quite a bit of space around the side um, and to be honest doesn't get that sold out like it's not that um, popular in terms of how many people actually turn up and most people again most people want to sit in the grandstand so I feel like even if you have a mostly sold out crowd there's going to be space around the side to kick the footy so there's that there's like the seating arrangements that I really like the space to have a picnic and kick the footy and you know just spread your legs like th those options are there um, really like the ground itself. Just it, it seems very well kept. Nice shade of green. Um, I, I just kind of like how it looks aesthetically. Uh, and, and the weather that Ballarat gets, 
it won't always be like this, but this is what it was like when I went there. Very Footscray-like. Very, you know, like you feel like there's a strong wind going to the Geelong end, you know, like you would be at, at the Witten Oval. Um, it wasn't freezing cold, but it was a bit chilly. I had to put a jumper on. Speaking of chilly, the wind starting to come in real, real hard now, but it, it makes sense because we're talking about the wind and um, you had to kind of rug up, make sure that the that you weren't too exposed to the cold wind coming across the left side of the of the field. Rain came in in the second half. Like just the atmosphere, even if it wasn't super comfortable, it was comforting in another sense. It was comforting in the sense that it felt like this is footy. This is footy. Bit of a harsh wind, bit of a harsh breeze, bit of rain coming down, overcast. Like to me, I've always felt like games that went down at Cardinia Park. That's what a Cardinia Park Geelong game was. Overcast. <laughs> Overcast, a bit of breeze, maybe a sun shower here and there. Um, and I think it kind of represents all the elements of footy weather. Um, and so I like that Ballarat has a bit of that. I will say, the thing I don't love about Ballarat, and this hopefully will just be something that becomes improved over time, not enough food vendors for the amount of people there. Like, this was an intra-club match. Might have been at, like, 30 40% capacity. Barely anyone was there. They only had one food truck. And I was like, okay, I hadn't had lunch yet. It was about maybe 11.30, 11.40, something like that. About halfway through the second quarter, I arrived a bit late as well. I was like, oh, I'm a bit hungry. I'm not going to be like everyone else and go at half time to get my lunch. I'm going to go now. I'm going to miss some of the footy. But that's okay, it'll be worth it, because I might miss the last 10 minutes of this quarter, but I'll make sure I get my lunch before the third quarter starts. Halftime should cover it, right? So I get up, and I walk over to this one food truck, and the line's already massive. The line's already massive. I'm like, okay, this is a bit of a bummer, but it is what it is, right? Um, just trying to, yeah, again, stay in the moment. Just go, it is what it is. I'll wait in line. I want some food. It's just an intra-club match, whatever. But as time went on, you know, siren went, half-time began, this line was moving real slow. And to cut a long story short, just took a long time. Took me until halfway through the third quarter for me to get my food and sit back down. Now, this is not me complaining. This is not me going, where, 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 I wanted my food quickly. This was the reality, that there was only one food truck that wanted to feed a lot of hungry people. Um, and I think there are only two or three people working. That's just what it was, and it'd be nice if there were more options. Um, so I'm not necessarily complaining, it was just something I noticed that if there was an improvement to be made at this stadium, it's to have more food options there, or have more people working. I don't know, the fact that you could leave your seat halfway through the second quarter and didn't get back to your seat until halfway through the third quarter, basically missing a whole quarter of football, not ideal. Not ideal. Uh, but it's really my only knock against the stadium and everything they have there. Um, everything else I really like. I like the vibe. like a lot of... Felt like um, an AFLW match. Um, it's something that me and Jake and um, a lot of other people talk about all the time is how AFLW games just feel so much more friendly. Like family friendly, but just more friendly. There's less of an aggressive vibe going on. And... Being to this intra-club match and 
I know it's an intra-club match, it's a practice match, pre-season. If you were to go there while there's a, um, you know, a proper AFL men's game going on, probably would be just as rowdy and just as violent as every other game. But this experience felt like that. There was one woman who really got upset and frustrated by every wrong decision a player would make. And I just couldn't help but think, do you know this isn't round one, ma'am? <laughs> like, you don't have to go, ah, oh, or, you know, sigh really loudly or curse out a player because they, you know, had a missed kick or they missed a goal or whatever. And it's like, this isn't even, this isn't even against opposition. This is just to make sure everyone's healthy. <laughs> like, we don't have to stress out too much. Uh, I feel like that might be a good segue into what happened in the intra-club match. Speaking about injuries, I'm going to take a quick sip of my cuppa here. Refuel for this next little section. So, while we're on the topic of health and injuries, Ryan Gardner got a bit of a hit during the game. Saw him go down, I think it was in a marking contest with Jamara. Uh, looked a bit sore, I was a bit worried. He went to the bench, but then he came back out and played the rest of the game, so I assumed that he was just okay. You know, just, you know, it's sore. It hurts to hit your elbow, like. Um, but I thought that would have been the rest of it. Uh, you know, a couple of days go by, you don't hear anything, hear nothing out of the intra-club match in terms of um, injuries. And then I think yesterday came out that Ryan Gardner's going to miss the first, at least the first game of the season. Um, there might be uh, updated information as I record. Again, I don't have internet out here right now. Um, so maybe we'll have a specific time frame that he'll be back. But he'll be needing surgery, so I imagine he's probably going to miss the first month. At best, maybe the first two or three weeks considering that we're still, you know, two or three weeks out of round one. Um, but that's a bit of a bummer. It's not massive in that we have a bit of depth there now. Like, obviously, Liam Jones is the main guy. We recruited him. We went for him. That's the guy we want. Um, but we have depth besides him. Like, Alex Keith, you know, kind of dropped off the radar a bit at the end of the last season, but he had a great 2021 and because of that depth, I feel like he... It seems like the word's been that he's been really competitive in the in the preseason and in, and in the off-season. Wants to get that spot back. So I trust that he'll put in his, his uh, best performances if he gets picked. Josh Bruce, he's, it's been well publicised that he's had this move back down into uh, the back line. You know, started his career as a defender, but only for like a year, I think, for most of his AFL career, he's been a forward but he kind of acknowledged the fact that that forward depth is too deep for him to crack into, you know, coming off an ACL, and so he's reinvented himself as a defender. Uh, looked really good. Really liked the look of him in the back line. Um, I can't remember if he played uh, as a defender in the first team or the second team, because the dogs kind of played mostly full strength, like Team A, I guess, and then Team B was sort of VFL guys, depth players, plus a few A-listers. Um, so I can't remember which side he played on, meaning I can't remember which forwards he were playing on, if it was, you know, B-team or A-team. Um, but what I remember was that he looked good. You, you wouldn't have known that, oh, this dude spent the last decade <laughs> playing in the forward line. Um, you, you wouldn't guess it. So it looked really comfortable down there. Obviously, he spent the whole preseason training down there. Seems to have good communication with the rest of the defensive boys. Um, I like... I like his height. Um, I think he pre presents a good option. He's physical. He's a bit of crash and basher. I don't. I don't imagine 
this is both going off how he looked in the in the in the game, but also just the player he's been as a forward. I don't imagine him being the sort of finesse intercept player. He'll be more the all right, Brucey, your job is to make sure that this guy doesn't mark the ball. Just make sure he doesn't mark it. Push him off, run into him, bash into him, spoil, like just be rough and physical and be annoying. Be annoying for the full forward or the centre-half forward that you're on. Um, and let Liam Jones, who's sort of more of a finesse um, interceptor and one-on-one contested mark. Um, and uh, Keith's interesting in that sometimes he looks like he's that player and then sometimes he gets really easily manhandled. I can't quite figure out where he's best suited. And then Ryan Gardner, before he got injured, like he should be an interceptor. He's not meant to be a one-on-one contested mark defender. Um, so what this all kind of means is that if you've got Liam Jones as your fullback, he's like you play him on your main forward. If it's one-on-one in the goal square, you trust Liam Jones more than any of our other defenders to mark it. And then around him for other tools, having Keith and Bruce as options, I feel like are really good. They're both really strong players. They're both really experienced. Um, the one knock on Gardner is that he's still developing his craft. Um, and sometimes he gets outmatched by forwards. I, I still want him in our starting 22, or I guess 23 now that we have the sub. Um, but the fact that he, at least for the first game, won't be eligible to play, at least we get to see, okay, what does it look like with the more experienced defense? What does it look like if we have Liam Jones, Alex Keith, and Josh Bruce as our three tools? Um, so, so sad for Gardner because... He's been putting together a really good preseason and looked really good before he got injured. But this is footy. This is footy. You get it. You get injuries at the worst of times, and in a sense, it's not. It's not good to get injuries by any stretch of the imagination. They're not good. But at least we know what we're dealing with here. At least you know. All right, we know going in and playing Melbourne and playing, you know, Ben Brown and um, you know who else they have in the forward line, like. We know Ryan Gardner's not a part of the picture. And now we know that we're planning with Jones, Keith, and Bruce as your three tools, which I imagine they'll do. Not looking ahead too much, but just thinking about that forward line. Ben Brown's probably their tallest tall. And you got um, Bailey Fritch. He plays as a tall, but he's only 188. So you could probably get away with playing a medium to tall size defender. Wiedemann's no longer there because he plays for um, Essendon now. So I'm trying to think of who their other tall is. Petty's a defender. I'm not going to linger on this too much because this isn't very interesting to talk about. But I'm trying to think of who their other guy is. And he got dropped a couple times. Man, this is really killing me. It's not Tomlinson. He's also a defender. Ah, it'll come to me at some point. But point is, they don't strike me as a super tall forward line. However, I've just remembered that Melbourne are going to be trialling, or at least they're going to be committing to, this Brody grundy max Gorn combo, in which Max Gorn's going to be playing mostly forward. So that'll make it really interesting. Because Max Gorn's, what, 210 centimetres? He's a, he's a ruckman, right? That is an episode I'd love to do. I'd love to look into Melbourne's list, particularly their forward line and their midfield. And, like... I don't know, they just strike me as a really interesting team in that everyone's just assuming that they're going to be top four again. And I wouldn't bet against them. Like, I wouldn't say they're not going to make top four. They have a really great list. 
I don't know. I'll say this. If it's a given that playing a Ruckman, aka Max Gorn, as a forward 90% of the time, if that's a given to work, why has no one done it? You know what I mean? The fact that this is going to be a bit of an experiment means that it's going to be an experiment. Maybe it won't work. And so the fact that people are just assuming that, oh, what a great move. They've got two of the best Ruckman in the biz. So that'll be great for your center bounces and your stoppage work. But what about kicking inside 50? What about when the ball hits the deck inside forward 50? Do you want a 210 centimeter lumbering Ruckman trying to be a part of your forward structure? I don't know. Hey, I, I have a little bit against Melbourne because of obviously what happened in 2021, but putting that aside, I actually like a lot of Melbourne's players. I think they're a really well-coached team. I like their coach. I really like Goodwin. And I like a lot of their players, and I want them to succeed because I like when teams are good. I don't care who you are. I want every team to be great. And that's me being absolutely honest. Um, so this isn't like me, you know, shitting on Melbourne. I'm just curious about what it looks like. It's a shame that I'll have to see it against the team I support first. Um, but I'm just so curious to see how it works because if it's obvious that, oh, of course you can play a Ruckman as a permanent forward who sometimes pinch hits in the Ruck. Obviously that'll work. Just teaching the forward craft. If, it, if that is the case, then why has no one else done it? Why has, why has no one run with two of the best, most expensive Ruckman in the league and then using one of those Ruckmen as a full forward, not as a Ruckman, a forward who pinch hits in the Ruck? Which is interesting. Back to the intra-club match. Um, went on a bit of a Melbourne um, sidewinder there. Uh, so that's kind of what our posts should look like, our key posts um, in, the in the defense without Gardner. Hoping he comes back sooner rather than later. Bailey Dale and Ed Richards and, and those guys, like they just they continue to be some of the best rebounding defenders I've seen. Ed Richards could so easily be All-Australian. No joke. No joke. I think he's great. I think he's a great player. His leap is really impressive. So he can play on forwards that are you know, taller than him. Um, if I try and think of like... You know, Bailey Dale had this sort of resurgence a couple of years ago, moved to that position, got All-Australian. I just feel like it really could... It really could happen. Um, he obviously has to have a good season, but I, I believe in him. I like his traits. I like his aggressiveness. He's a really good ball user. Love him off halfback. Bailey Dale's a, a no-brainer. Um, really rate Taylor Dray. I know he's sort of on the on the older side as an AFL player. I think he's 31, 32. But man, I just love his leadership. He's such a good leader in that back half. He seems like Luke Hodge, if he was a bit of a nicer guy. Uh, Luke Hodge, hey, maybe he's a great bloke. Never seemed like the nicest bloke on the footy field. Whereas Taylor Dre seems to have the same sort of leadership skills he probably got from Hodge when he played at Hawthorne. Um, but just seems a little more calm. Um, and seems like he, I don't know, just like the way he communicates. And, and when it comes to footy skills, great leap. Reads the ball really well. Great footy sense. I just love him in that back line. We'll get to Buku Kamas because he played in the forward line. Um, but he's an option as well. 
if he decides to float back. He's a bit of a swing man in that sense. Um, Sam Darcy is the other question in terms of tools. I don't really know where he'll play, so I, and I don't know if he'll necessarily play as a post, if that makes sense. Just because, should say, Sam Darcy looks amazing. He looked, he only played one half, but he looks amazing, right? He's taller than anyone else in the footy field. He clunks marks like nobody's business. He can float forward and kick goals. He can roll off and take great intercept marks. He looks great. But I just wonder if he'll be your centre-half back just because of his frame. He's still young. What is he, 19 years old? His height makes him really valuable, but he's still quite thin. He hasn't quite put on the muscle yet, and I, and I worry... And this is why I don't think that Beveridge and the team selectors will put him here. That if you put him at centre-half back, he's just going to get out-muscled. Like, he, he's just going to get out-muscled. He's not going to be strong enough. He'll be tall enough to intercept, but he won't be strong enough to be necessarily your key post who's like, you're playing on so-and-so. He strikes me more as the guy that, okay, you'll play wherever we need you to. Do we feel like we can create an outnumber in the forward line? Pop him down there. Do we feel like we need someone to roll off an intercept and create an outnumber in the defense, we'll do that. Need someone to pinch hit in the ruck, we'll do that. Like, I feel like he's gonna be a bit more of a, like Buku, but obviously with <laughs> much more height, um, I feel like he's gonna be a bit of a swing man and sort of roll around and sort of be a bit of a utility player in that sense. I don't think he necessarily has like the, the speed and endurance to be a true utility, like, um, you know, Blitzarves. Um, who is sort of the, 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 the king of that role at the moment. But he could become that. In a few years, he could become a Blitzarv type. He can play literally anywhere. Uh, moving to the midfield, just, it's our midfield. It's the Bulldogs. They, 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 they all looked great. Bond was a bit more quiet than usual, but I'll say this. This won't win him a brown, though, but it might win us a premiership. Bond, our team is better when Bond isn't the best player. That won't get him as many votes, and I want him to win a Brownlow because I think he is the best player in the league right now. But in terms of winning games and winning premierships, it's a better sign of the health and talent of our team when Bont isn't clear as day the best player on the field. Now, Bont's going to be the best player in moments, right? In clutch moments where you need someone to stand up, Bont's going to be that guy because that's just who he is. And he'll also be in your top three, your top five, right? Because he's just that consistently good. But if he isn't consistently the best, I think it's actually a good indication for the depth of our midfield. Because what that means is, oh, actually Bailey Smith was the best player today. Or actually Jack McRae was the best. Actually Tom Libertore was the best. Actually Adam Trelaw was the best. Like you've got a lot of guys, Caleb Daniel, who's moving into the midfield. He's going to play sort of a defensive mid. Really like, like he might be the best in terms of midfielders, right? Not including forwards and defenders. Um, I think it alleviates a bit of pressure off him, allows him to float forward, allows him to strike when someone's really hot. Like, ah, we're going to tag Bailey Smith, the opposition might say, because he's just, he's had 10 disposals in the last five minutes. Like, we just got to get a hold of him. All of a sudden now guys like Bontempelli can go, all right, Give me the ball now. Let me run down to 50 and bomb a goal from outside 50. Like, even though, that, to my point being, even though he was a bit quiet, I think it's good. 
I think we just got to get used to it as Bulldogs fans and as the AFL in general that as much as I would love Bontepelli to just have an absolutely amazing season, like individual season, the Dogs and the Dogs might still be great. You can have both. Bontepelli can be the best player every single game for the Dogs and the Dogs have like, you know, they, they lose three games, right? But I feel like realistically, if the Bont isn't the best player every single game, it's probably a good sign that other guys are stepping up in his place. And I think that's what you need when you want to win games. You want to have a spread of options that can stand up and and win football games. That's the main goal, right? Um, so, yeah, won't dwell too much on the midfield because it's it, it seemed just what our midfield looks like. I will say this, though. Man, maybe it's just seeing it up close. But their ball movement, particularly their handballs, unbelievable the certainly the quickness the quickness isn't so much the the impressiveness of that midfield it's the awareness the awareness of that midfield group is elite the fact that they can handball quickly and there's always a guy there and more often than not not only is he there but that's the best guy in the best position it just oh, it's unbelievable sometimes and just seeing it up close and going how did you know in that split second, that if you handballed over your left shoulder, that Trelaw was going to be there in space, ready to kick inside 50? How did you know that if you tapped the ball to your right, Bontepelli was going to be there to p- pick it up? And then how did he know that Libba was, found space outside the stoppage and was ready to receive a handball? All within milliseconds. It's just, it was, it was very impressive. Um, so moving to the forward line... I should say as well, English looked really good. As our ruckman, I feel like he could cement himself as the best ruck in the competition by the end of the season. He's got a lot of competition ahead of him, but I feel like he could do it if he can stay healthy. Um, So moving to the forward line, there was a time in the game where we had Aaron Norton, Rory Lobb, Jamar Hagen, and Sam Darcy all in the same forward line. From on one hand, man, that is dangerous for the opposition. My God, the height! Everyone's nearly two hundred centimeters. I think Norton's like one ninety six, Mara's one ninety eight, Lobb's two oh seven, I think, and Darcy's like two twelve, whatever he is. He's massive. So that's going to be great. It means that if you can get, if you can get good positioning on your defender. Just pop it up to him. If you're a midfielder, just pop it into the air and let Norton lob Jamara or Darcy mark it. Now, of course, the flip side to that, in the same way that there's a flip side to playing Max Gorn as your full forward, is potentially the worry that if it spills, if you can't mark the ball, right? If it spills, do you have the speed and the athleticism and the quickness to crumb it, right? Do you want to rely on Rory Lobb and Aaron Norton and Jamara, Eugle Hagen and Sam Darcy being there to crumb the ball when it hits the, hits the deck? And obviously you've still got two forward spots left if you play four tools. Most likely that'll probably be Cody Waitman. I would pick Arthur Jones. Really liked what he's provided in you know preseason and in this game whether or not they do that i don't know 
but still four tools it's a real risk that you got to hope pays off um and i feel like more often than not it would pay off but you never know especially depending on like what what a defense is showing um so that that and that also was just a period of the game there are other periods where you know darcy didn't play the second half so it was more your traditional two to three you know pronged tall forward line um so i just really like the the versatility there and the flexibility to go ah okay we're playing so and so this week they are really they're a really tall defense so let's create an outnumber let's have darcy or or um, you know Jamara as our extra tool to float around and and be a mismatch, or maybe you go okay. We've with the defense we're playing, their backline is really quite um, agile and athletic. We want to match that, okay? So maybe we won't play Darcy in the forward line. Maybe we'll play more a traditional and have an extra small in there too. Um, but, the, but the fact that we've the dogs have options in the forward line is really, really appealing. Um, and I would play Darcy as a defender because I think that's where you want to play him long-term. So just get him there in, get him in there early to practice the craft. But that's what I do. Play him as a defender. But if there's a mismatch opportunity available, either in team selection or during a game, float him forward. We saw him do that last season, you know, in the last few games. He floated forward and kicked like three goals in a quarter, like whatever it was in that uh, Hawthorne game, I think, or, you know, early in the Frio um, elimination final, like, the fact that the dogs have that option up their sleeve is scary, scary for the opposition. Um, But speaking of other forwards that I really liked, Buku Kamas is, he won't won't feel this way because he, he seems like a real team player. But man, wouldn't blame him if he felt frustrated by how much tall depth is there. Because he's not necessarily a tall forward, because I think it's only 190. Sort of more on your your mid to tall kind of size. But, you know, he, he put on the clinic. He, he kicked three goals. Um, could have kicked a few more. He, he, even though he's only 190, the way he marks the ball, he could be 210 because of his leap. He actually, his, his ability to to elevate himself and get to the top of a contest and mark the ball, looked like he was on springs. Just insane. If he can get a free jump at the ball, he can. I feel like he can elevate higher than anyone else in our forward line. And that's probably why he sometimes pinch hits in the ruck because, yeah, he's only 190 centimetres. He's nowhere near as tall as the ruckman. But if the ruckman can't, you know, stop his run... He can run and jump high enough so that he can tap the ball actually higher than the Ruckman can. Um, so it's going to be a real shame for Buku because probably he's not going to get a shot unless someone gets injured, just realistically, um, or if someone drops off in form. But man, that's a good option to have in the VFL to call up and go, hey, so-and-so had an injury or you know, so-and-so's had a bit of a rough patch. We need someone with some hunger and some, and some uh, tenacity to jump in. Uh, to have Buku there, I feel like he's going to be really... Just really not good to have. Depth is good. Even if you don't use them all the time, depth is good. Uh, like I said, Artie Jones. Arthur Jones looked really good. Similar to Darcy in that 
not many similar things about Sam Darcy and Arthur Jones, but the similarity would be a tad underdeveloped. Arthur Jones still looks like an 18-year-old, like running around with barely any muscle on the bones. Um, I really like the stuff he does bring. He, he, his goal sense, his quickness, has sort of an Eddie Betts vibe to him um, in terms of his ability to find the goals, to, to, to manoeuvre space, um, really like. But just whether or not he's up for the physicality of football, you know, for 23 rounds in a season, don't know. Um, but I, I, I like what he can bring. And if the club thinks that he can do it, then I trust him. And I trust the team. Um, so he's an option. Cody Waitman didn't play, but he, he's, he'll, he'll play next week against North in, in the preseason game. Um, so like him as an option, as that forward pocket. Didn't get to see it, obviously, because he didn't play. But, man, looking forward to seeing what he can do in the midfield. The word is that he's getting some midfield minutes in the same way that Cozzy Pickett is at Melbourne. Man, I'd love to see that. Because if there's any criticism you could have it of our midfield, and there's not many criticisms you could have. But if there is any, we lean a bit more on strength than we do on speed. None of our guys in that midfield strike me as particularly speedy. Like the closest would maybe be Trelaw. But even here, he's not necessarily speedy, right? Having Waitman in there to go like, boom, we just need, we just need some adrenaline in here, Cody. Just get in there, Flea. Just get in there and provide a bit of magic. Um, and given that we play Melbourne in round one, we'd love to see Cody Waitman and Cosie Pickett line up against each other at the centre bounce. Like, oh, that'd be, that'd be gorgeous. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame we didn't, I didn't get to see him play because I love watching Cody Waitman, but he'll obviously... He'll be back. Um, you know, Riley West floats forward. Um, he looks all right. Vandermeer's going to miss because of his, I think, a knee injury or a leg injury. Um... So that's a shame because I, I like when he when he plays. Um, Toby McLean is that sort of mid-forward option. Uh, didn't light the world on fire, but his elimination final performance um, was really impressive. Um, and he, having him sort of as a mid-forward kind of guy um, would love would love to see, especially after the injuries he's he's taken. Be nice to see him be given a you know a full shot to play. And he could be that sort of half-forward flanker that can maybe push up a little bit. And who knows? Bevo might do what he did last year and have one midfielder play as a half-forward flanker, like a Bailey Smith or an Adam Trelaw, although Trelaw was sort of more a half-back. But that's another option too, is we, we don't necessarily have to have, you know, those guys as proper forwards in the forward line. Um, would like to see Charlie Clark given an opportunity, the rookie, whether or not he will be given an opportunity, who knows? It's hard to gauge with rookies, um, especially when sort of Cody Waitman and Arthur Jones probably fill that type of player. Small crumbing forward. Um, he probably doesn't get a spot, but who knows? Um, overall, dogs look great. <laughs> you know, I know they're playing themselves and it's preseason and everyone looks great in preseason. Everyone looks great in preseason. But I can't lie about what I saw. What I saw was really good. Liked our defense. Liam Jones looked amazing. Um, looked like he hadn't missed a beat, despite the fact that he's missed a year of football. Looked like he could communicate and out-muscle his opponents. He just looked really good. 
So like what our defense is looking like, which is our main weakness last season. Midfield looks just as good as, as ever, if not with even better depth than before. And the forward line is so versatile that you feel like it's a Rubik's Cube. You can move it around to create any kind of combination that you want, depending on your opposition and depending on the flow of the game, depending on weather, like the options to have in that forward line, I think is not just tall. I'm talking small, medium, tall forwards. So many options that I that I love to see. Um, yeah, so it was great to go down to Ballarat and watch that game. Looking forward to seeing the Dogs take on North Melbourne this week. Uh, some quick other thoughts on the practice matches I got my eyes on um, before I end the episode. Geelong. Geelong might just go all the way again. <laughs> I know they played Hawthorne uh, in their practice match who, you know, are probably going to be a bottom four team even though I like some of their players. So it's a little bit not necessarily that indicative of what they'll be in the season, but just love everything about their team. They've arguably, despite losing Joel Selwood, one of the best captains of all time, despite losing Joel Selwood, they've arguably gotten better. They've arguably gotten better with the guys that brought in, like Ollie Henry and Tanner Bruin and um, you know, Jai Clark, like, the guys they've brought in, either through trade and free agency or the draft, um, Sam DeConing's only going to get better. Jeremy Cameron's arguably the most valuable player in the league. Uh, they, they just look like they'll go again. Um, I was expecting Adelaide to be a bottom four team, contrary to a lot of people's opinions, but I'm a, I don't know what to think now because they looked pretty good in their practice match. Um, I forget who they played. Uh, Frio, I think it was. Um, and they, they, they beat Frio pretty pretty easily. Um, and then Frio, on the other hand, for a team that, that won a final last season, and again, it's preseason. Can't take too much from preseason. But it would have been nice to get a win there if you're Frio against Adelaide. But you couldn't get a win with pretty much full health. It's a little concerning. Um... But again, it is preseason. You take it all with a grain of salt. Um, Sydney. Who knows what Sydney's going to be next season? Um, as in this season. But Brisbane dealt with them pretty, again, also pretty easily. Got a truck with wood, I think, driving past. Um... I'm kind of expecting Sydney to slide just because I don't think they've gotten better in the offseason and teams tend to not perform well after being smashed in the grand final. Um, so maybe getting smashed by Brisbane in the preseason is a bit of a, an indication as to what they'll be. Who knows? Um, but Brisbane looked really good. Brisbane looked really good. Um, as much as I'd like to say, oh, Brisbane, they've changed too much about their roster. They can't, you know, it won't all gel in terms of like, being very selfish and biased towards my own team. But when I look at it objectively, I go, they should win the grand final. <laughs> like, they've got it all there. Maybe their defense is a little... is a little bit of a worry, especially with Marcus Adams not playing, but I, I trust that they'll, they'll work it out. They've still got Harris Andrews and Darcy Gardner, who I think, you know, are both really good defenders. Um, they should make a prelim, at least. 
based on their list, they should make a prelim, but based on the last half decade, they should make a grand final. Because if they don't make a grand final this season, you start to go like, I'll say this, it's tough to make grand finals. It's just tough. So not making one shouldn't be a massive, like, criticism. But in terms of expectations, I guess it would be a criticism. But they, if they don't make a grand final this season, you start to wonder, like, how, how, how many more years can they keep doing this? Being up at the top end, but not making, making grand finals. Um, but they've got the list there, and they've got the coach, um, and they've got the home field advantage that I really like. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Are there any games that I watched? I, I heard that Richmond looked really good. And man, I think they're going to be top four. I think their rebuild year was over. <laughs> I think kind of like Geelong, um, like Sydney in years gone by, like other teams in other leagues, you can rebuild without destroying yourself. You can rebuild while still being a good team. And they made finals last year. Um, I can't remember if they made finals the year before, in 2021. I don't think they did. I think they missed. So that might have been their worst year. <laughs> you know, just missing finals, right? I think they're back on the up again, and I think they're going to make top four just based on their list. And um, I think a lot of their guys still have so much left to offer. I, I still think, you know, Lynch and Rewalt, I think is a great double-pronged attack. Dustin Martin, if he can stay healthy, is still a dynamite player. Um bringing in the GWS boys, that's going to bring some real guts and some real energy to that midfield. Uh, I, I just think I really rate Richmond. Um, if I had to give a really impromptu top four prediction, to me it's like Geelong, Brisbane, Richmond, Bulldogs. And hey, I'm biased, but I really do think the Bulldogs have a top four list. Whether or not that happens, is yet to be seen, and by if you go by history, we won't because we haven't made the top four under Bevo. But I, I think I think this is the year. I think we've only gotten better over the off season, and I, I like what our team can offer. Um, the issue is, you know who else could make top four? Melbourne. Melbourne's list looks really good. Sydney, they could be great. Collingwood, Collingwood, arguably have only gotten better. They could be top four. Carlton, I know they missed finals. And I don't really think they're going to be that much better. But maybe the hype is warranted. Maybe this is the year where they jump up and all of a sudden they're amazing. You know, Cripps and Mackay and Kerno and um, uh, Jacob Wiedering. Like, Walsh, once he gets back. Like, they've got a list there. Maybe they make top four. Frio. I don't know if they've gotten better. Maybe they have. Maybe getting Luke Jackson is the key. And as we've talked about before, teams jump from outside the you know, the bottom nine into the top four all the time. It was Collingwood last year. Maybe it's West Coast. Maybe it's Gold Coast. Like, as much as I feel like it's Geelong, Brisbane, Richmond, Dogs as your top four, I feel like there's like 16 teams that can make top four. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, and a good, a good sign of the health of our league at the moment. That most teams, you could, as they say, you know... We, uh, with a drink or two, you could uh, you, you could imagine them, you know, making top four. I, I think it's a good sign. I feel like most teams could make the finals, and I feel like most teams, you could argue a strong case for making top four, but we'll only know after round 24, once the season's over. Um, and then, before we know it, the season will be over. 
season hasn't already, hasn't already hasn't even started yet, and already I feel like I'm gonna blink, and it's gonna be finals. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what the what the season looked like because I don't know. Th- th- before I wrap up, I've read and heard some people say that actually this isn't gonna be a really even year because because the great teams have only have become even better, and there's gonna be like you know, the, the the bottom, like, ten teams are all going to be great. But the top eight teams are going to be amazing. They're just going to be, a, like, two leagues above. Um, I don't know whether that will happen, because I think that we're always a bit wrong with our predictions. And I feel like it's going to be somewhere in between. And I think that most teams are going to be really competitive. Um, and it's going to provide a lot of great football games for us to watch. Uh, I think that's all I kind of want to talk about right now. Um, thanks so much for listening. Like I said at the top, um, this is a bit more of a free-flowing, thoughtful episode. Uh, but also, like I said at the top, I'm looking forward to finding a balance between these kinds of episodes where I just sit down and I just chat about what's going through my head when it comes to the AFL, as well as balancing that with the more analytical, investigative episodes like the first episode with Bontepelli and the, the Brownlow medal winners and, and all that. Looking forward to once the season starts, going to do some more video content, analyzing tactics that teams are implementing, um, looking at certain plays and how they were set up. Um, looking forward to utilizing the YouTube channel um, as an avenue for that to, to be able to actually look at the games and visualize them and... and, and get our markers up, you know, and, and circle things and, um, and and work through and through the eyes of a fan like myself, go, why did this goal transition from the back half so easily for X team? Or how did this team give up four goals in a row in the final two minutes? Stuff like that I'm really look, looking forward to doing. But overall, I'm just looking forward to doing everything that I enjoy, which is this kind of stuff and the more analytical stuff. Um, And I hope you enjoy the stuff that you listen to, all the stuff that you watch, um, and come along the journey with me. Um, So that's it for today. Uh, If you want to listen to and hear more and read more of my thoughts, you can follow Markers Up on all social media, at Markers Up. Um, And if you want to read more um, sports content um, within the same vein, you can follow the JBSE at the JBSE on all social media. Um, it was a great episode if you haven't listened to it already um, where Jake interviewed um, a non-binary football player Um, you can find that if you just scroll down on the Spotify you'll find it there Um, but also Jake he's he's a wordsmith and so if you follow the JBSE on Twitter um, you'll find some really interesting stuff on there too Um, hope you enjoy the rest of your day um I'm going to say um one more time because I've already said it 50 billion times. Um, Catch you on the flip side.